was thankful to be able to be here with you today and see each each one and the way everybody responds to the things of the Lord and uh, the things of the church. I want to get right into the message because it may have may have gone over a little bit this morning, but we love God for everything that is happening. I want to use a scripture that I've been using. This will be my third time to use the scripture as an opening scripture. I've entitled the message, Holy Ghost Movement. Ever since we really felt the revival of the Lord coming upon us, the Lord has really dealt with me to speak about the church and speak about the body, uh, and speak about His headship, speak about the things that pertain unto uh, the New Testament church and uh, share as much scripture as we can. And so if you have a place, you have a place on the back of your bulletin, you might be able to jot down a few scriptures. But I want to open with this one here found in Acts chapter 19 at verse number 20. One One verse. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Now this, of course, was after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This was what many would call the New Testament church. But it was certainly uh, at the time when the Lord had uh, sent the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit was moving throughout those that were faithful in their faith unto Him. That's a powerful word. Mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Can I say to you this morning, the Holy Ghost brought performance upon the word. I know that we know how faith comes. It comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. I know that's crucial. I know that's important in our life. I mean, there's, there's nothing we could say that the Lord expects us any more of, of us any more than having faith. But we need the Word of God which brings that faith. And we need to let that Word of God grow within us and to let that Word of God prevail. The word prevail means to conquer, to triumph to overcome, to gain victory. Mightily grew the word. I like that. You see, in it began to come into existence and develop in your life and in mine. I grew up, probably I could say I grew up basically uh, in the church all of my life because I was just a young boy uh, when Dad moved to Sand Springs and uh, he began to take us to the church uh, weekly and we begin to hear the stories and the Word of God, it began to grow in my heart. But you know, it was only when the Holy Spirit moved upon that Word that it really made an impression unto me. And someone would say, well, can, can the Holy Spirit make an impression upon a young child? Absolutely. Absolutely. The Bible says that a little child shall what? Shall lead them. There's a place in the church of God For all of God's children, the Bible says, mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. I like that this morning. I want to go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And I want to read here in the first chapter. And I want to pick up at verse number 21. I've entitled the message, Holy Ghost Movement. Of course, this scripture that we're going to read is prior to the day of Pentecost. In fact, it was just shortly after the Lord had uh, called the disciples to follow Him. He was uh, 
himself, the Lord, the mighty movement of power upon that divine word in the body of flesh. Now it says in Mark chapter 1 at verse 21, And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue, and what? And taught. What did he teach? He taught the word. Amen. Now listen to this. And they were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. You see, there was power in the words he spoke. There was Holy Ghost movement upon the word of God. Somebody says, well, you know, uh, we all I believe most all religions, well, we can't say all religion. Let's just say that most all Christian churches profess the Word. But there's something about the Word coming alive and being anointed. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are what? They are spirit and they are alive. Are life, which means they are alive. So literally, when He taught... The Bible says that they were astonished. He wasn't teaching anything that they hadn't heard, but they had never heard it like this. Now, the Bible says there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. And he said, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee and who thou art, the Holy One of God. The Bible says in verse 25, Jesus, Yeshua, rebuked him and said, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him, you see, the devil doesn't like to give up. He, die, he doesn't like to lose that which he has hold of. When the unclean spirit had tore him, he cried with a loud voice, and he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? And what new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. Wow. Through the Bible, there are those that have been tormented, afflicted, vexed, tortured. You can just go on down the, through the Bible and you can find evidences of how the devil has worked against mankind in general, but especially works against those that are getting so close to the Word of God. He doesn't like it. The Bible says he comes forth to kill to steal, and to destroy. That means take life. Take the living word away. Resist it, restrain it in any possible way he can to keep a person from believing in the Lord. Can I say to you this morning that Jesus was sent to this earth unknown by man, but he was known in identity by evil spirits and forces. They literally knew him. They could see beyond his veil that was his fleshly body. The forces that knew him, listen to this, they are principalities and they are powers. They are rulers 
of the darkness in this world. They are wicked spiritual forces in high places. Now, this is the Word of God. That's reason enough that God should equip the church with holy power. Can somebody say amen? You see, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is the operating authority upon the Word of God. He keeps faith alive through the Word moved upon it. So when you open your Bible, when you say, I'll just read a little bit of Word right now, if you invite the Holy Spirit to make the Word alive in you, I mean, you see, this book, ain't, it ain't like no other book. I've read Davy Crockett. Daniel Boone, Tom Sawyer. I've read all of those books. When I was in uh, elementary school, they were my favorite books to read, was those little books about this size. And they caught my attention. But you know, as much as they really meant a lot to me, spoke a lot to my person, there was nothing in those books that could grant life. Brother, you need to get a hold of your Bible. You need to hold it in your hand. You need to lift it up and you need to put a good grip upon it because I'm telling you the devil would like to take it away from you. He'd like to steal the word that's in your heart. But only you can stop him from doing it. Somebody says, well, you know, uh, I just feel like, you know, uh, that, that's a job you know, for the minister. That's a job for the evangelist is to handle the devil. Well, I'm going to tell you something. The devil has to be handled by the believer. Amen? Now, I want to go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I want to share a scripture here found in the sixth verse. Actually, I'll just... Uh, where am I going? John chapter 1 at the sixth verse. I'll read a few verses here. The Bible says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. John was sent of God. John the baptizer. We call him John the Baptist. He was sent by God. He was a forerunner before Christ the Messiah came to this earth to walk upon this earth. The Bible says the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him the light might believe. The Bible says in verse 8, He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. You could say He was a lesser light. The Bible says even to the believer, for that city that is set upon a hill cannot be hid. It gives forth light. The believers set upon a hill. God has made us the head, amen, and not the tail. And we are to shine. We are the salt. He said, you are the salt of the earth. There's a reason God has made us so. The same as he made John the Baptist. You know, you can't read in the Bible and find anywhere where John the Baptist cast out devils. You can't find where John the Baptist healed anybody or set anybody free from demonic power. But it was given unto John to behold the light and to really to place his arms around him and put him down in that old watery grave, which was a type of death, burial, and resurrection for anyone that would accept the Lord as their Savior. That was the true light 
which lighteth every man, listen to this, verse number 9, that cometh into the world. Verse 10, he, speaking of the Lord, was in the world. The world was made by him, yet the world knew him not. Isn't it amazing that the evil spirits knew who he was? But the Bible says in verse 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as did receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name or the authority of his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, born of God. The Bible says in verse 14, For the word was made flesh or became flesh and dwelt among us. Now there's something interesting I seen here in verse number 9 that I want to touch on just for a moment. The Bible says, John speaking, he, speaking about the Lord, lighteth every man that cometh into the world. You see, how does he do that? Well, he does it through the Word. The moving Word brought a purpose from the Father. Do you know what that purpose was? To save sinners from the wages of sin and death. Somebody says, well, I never thought about really why the Lord came. Well, He came because of your sins, Laquita. And He came because of your sins, Troy. And because of my sins, He came. Somebody says, you mean all of this about the Bible was because of sinners? Yeah, way before He even created the world, before He even spoke the Word and the Holy Ghost moved upon that Word to bring all things forth as the Father, you know, imagined or pleased. Way back there, He was the Lamb of God that was slain, shed blood. Why did He shed blood? He shed blood for sinners to save them from their sins. And John says He's that light. He's that truth. He's that way. He's the life, bless God. And He hath lighted. He hath given a measure of faith. A measure of faith unto every man that comes into this world. The Bible says He lighteth every man that cometh into this world. He lighteth. He giveth faith. He shows mercy. He shows grace. All of these things. This is the reason He came. That's what the church is all about. It's an extension of what Jesus Christ came to do. To show sinners that if they continue to abide in sin, they have no life in them. To give them hope. So why would God not want the church to be full of authority and power and the moving of the word before mankind to see more souls saved for his kingdom? Somebody says, well, Holy Ghost folks, you know, a lot of times they don't talk much about people being saved. It's everything about salvation. You see, when the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost came, was poured out, it was so all the believers could do the same things that Jesus does. Amen? If there was a need to cast out a demon, you had the authority and the power to do it. If there was a 
may not have happened as of yet. But I thank God this morning, the Lord, He sent the Savior into this world to lighteth every man, to bring every man to response to the Word of God, just waiting for somebody, spirit-filled, to talk about the Lord Himself and what He had done. You remember the eunuch? He had come to worship in Jerusalem, and he was reading, and he didn't know where or what it was saying. Who is this that's talking? Wasn't it Nathaniel? I believe it was Nathaniel that ran along beside the chariot and the, the, the eunuch was there reading the Word of God and he began to speak the Word of God, opened it up unto him, the Holy Ghost began to move and he, he said, this is the eunuch said, hey, here's water. He obviously knew something about water. He said, hey, here's water. What hinders me to be baptized? He wanted to be saved. God lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He gives a measure of faith to every man. You have enough faith to respond and to get saved. So if you're not saved and it comes to the time of the day of judgment when the rewards of salvation are handed out, you cannot say, God never looked my way. You can't say, I was destined to fail. For God has given unto every man a measure of faith, and God has brought every man into this world and given them light. Enough to move on. You see, when the Lord came to this earth, I mean, He was full of the Spirit. He was full of the Spirit. John, in fact, the forerunner of Christ, was full of the Spirit. By the Holy Spirit anointing, I'm telling you something, He Divine truth in the flesh preached the gospel to the poor. That's what the Lord said. He said he came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to preach deliverance to those that were captive. He, he came to show recovering of sight to the blind and set at liberty them that are bruised or injured. And he preached the acceptable year of the Lord. How did he do all of that? He done it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You see, salvation is a spirit force. It's a spirit force that moves upon the heart of man. He lighteth, literally he lighteth. The word says we don't know how exactly that is done, nor we don't know how it comes to the individual when the light strikes fire. We don't know how it comes, and we don't know how it goes. But thank God for the fact that through it men might believe and come to salvation. Can you clap your hands and say amen? If the church, if the church doesn't do anything but see to it that souls are saved, the church has been successful. Somebody said, well, anybody can preach salvation. Yes, you can. Anybody can teach it. It's not the hard thing, I've always said, to get saved. It's a harder thing to stay saved. The world pulls against you. The world tugs against you. You start making progress, the world will pull you down. Brother Charles asked me, he said, has uh, uh, Bradley been able to come the last 
couple of weeks, and I said, well, I haven't seen him, Charles. I said, we haven't seen him. We've been praying for him. He said he really fights a, a battle. Young man wants to, going through all of his struggles, he wants to work. He's not a lazy person. He's not a welfare check drawer. He's a young man who loves the Lord who's had problems in his life. And uh, he gets up early, drives all the way down to far eastern Oklahoma working on a hospital there. And then he rides back, gets in his car, goes, goes back to Claremore, because as far as that guy goes is to Tulsa. Uh, he's been in meetings, every meeting he can get himself to go on the first day of the week and uh, Wednesday night uh, uh, here on Sabbath. A young man is trying his best to get to a place where he was but yet lost ground. Somebody says, well, I believe most people do know the Lord. Well, that's true. Most people ought to have heard of Him by now if you've lived in the United States of America. But that don't mean everybody knows Him. The Bible says He come to His own and His own received Him not. So we're just sharing some word here this morning. We're talking about how the Holy Spirit moves upon the heart of a man. He lightens him with the word and mysteriously... And miraculously is able to cause that individual to begin to believe in the Lord and come to salvation. I want to go to the third chapter of the book of John. And I want to pick up here in chapter 2. John chapter, well, let me go to John chapter, hmm. Let me go to John chapter 3. And I want to look at verse number 6. John chapter 3, verse 6. The Lord is speaking. He's talking to Nicodemus. He says to Nicodemus, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He said, So marvel not that I said unto you, You must be born again. Now I like this verse here, verse number 8. He says, For the wind bloweth where it listeth, where it wills where it pleases, and thou hearest the sound of that wind, but you cannot tell whence it cometh and where it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. You have no control over what he does. You have no control over it. You have to yield to it. And as you yield to it, the Holy Ghost will move upon that word and He will cause something to change in your heart. There will be a response. And so He's talking to Nicodemus. And He's literally saying to Nicodemus, let's move over to verse 17. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. You see, salvation is is a ceaseless activity. The wind is always blowing somewhere. The wind is blowing. The wind, as Jesus said, it's, it's kind of a definition, a defining of what the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost is. No man can be saved without this wind moving the Word upon his heart. You see, the move of the Holy Spirit upon a man's heart, that's what's going to cause him to respond and to be saved. The Holy Spirit is always working. It is ever working. It is at work. It doesn't take a season off, bless God. 
As far as we know, there has never been a time, never been time when the spirit wind was not at work moving upon the Word of God. No man can control the wind whenever, however, or wherever. It cannot be done. Some will say we can teach you if you, don't, if you want us to and you don't get it. We can teach you how to speak in tongues, get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can't teach a man how to get the Holy Ghost. If your heart ain't yielded, if your heart is not determined, not willing for God to move upon the Word in your life, it will not happen. I don't care how many certificates you get and how many credentials you've got that says you've got the Holy Ghost. It just ain't right. It ain't going to work that way. No man controls the wind. I mean, we've got wind turbines now way up there high in the sky. And, and, and we're receiving some benefit. But it's not controlling the wind. It's just drawing something from the wind that can produce a product that can be used. Can I say to you this morning, most of you can see the rain. Is that not true? You see the rain. You see the snow, and you see the lightning when it strikes, but you cannot see the wind. You can see the you can see what the wind is doing, and you can determine which way it's blowing, but you cannot see the wind. That is the hand of God eternal at his work in his, we might say, mysterious work he's just talking to Nicodemus and using something natural to try to explain something spiritual I want to go to Luke chapter 5 we are staying mostly in the New Testament today Luke chapter 5 I want to look at verse number 17 follow with me in the Bible I'm speaking on Holy Ghost movement the Bible says in verse 17 and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law setting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And look what it says here. For the power of the Lord was present to what? To heal them. Now follow with me on this. Behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up on the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Whoa. Took a roof apart. I hope they fixed it back. You know, sometimes you can patch a roof and it will stop the leak, but when you patch the roof, it don't always look like it looked before it was patched. Do you see what I'm saying? I hate a patched roof. But there's something about this that caught his, this individual and those that were with him that caught their determination to attempt it and to be successful with it. There was a large crowd there. But remember this, the power of the Lord was present to heal. And I didn't want to miss out on it. The Bible says in verse 20, When he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. 
Thy sins are forgiven thee. He came there to be healed. The Bible says even of the believer in the church, if they will call for the elders of the church and pray the prayer of faith, lay hands upon him, anoint with oil. I might be missing a little bit, but you're going to get my point. They said that not only would he be healed, but if he hath committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. Get in the prayer line, bless God. God will give you more than you're asking for. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, he said unto the man, thy sins shall be forgiven thee. The scribes and the Pharisees begin to reason, saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? For who can forgive sins but God alone? All he said to this individual was, thy sins are forgiven. Big sins, little sins, every sin forgiven. This was some kind of a wind moving here. It brought performance upon the Word of God. And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, verse 22, He said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Is it easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thy house. And immediately he arose up before them, took up that he laid upon, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And look at this in verse 26. And they were all amazed. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen what? Strange things today. Strange things. They thought on the day of Pentecost they saw some strange things. Today, if someone walks into a church and it's a Pentecostal church and the Spirit of God is working, I mean just with songs, just with praise, with just altar calls. If the Spirit of God is working, a lot of the churches, the so-called churches today would say, Oh, I went there, but I saw strange things. Well, I had some bad experiences down through the early part of my life, but I'm so thankful that God realized that, <laughs> that, that I could endure those strange things. I've seen folks rolling in the aisles. Somebody would say, that's not of God. Well, I don't judge whether or not those things in that sense are the Word of God. If the Holy Spirit got upon you and caused, caused you to fall to the ground and roll a little bit, I, I don't think that would be anything wrong with it. Jump a pew, whatever. I don't think that would be anything wrong with it if the Spirit of God was moving. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, if you came in church and you was doing some of those things, Spirit hadn't started moving, you know, in a real good way, it might be a wrong thing. But I used to tell... Connie and I told my children, I said, you know, we have seen some things in our life, but you know, put it on a shelf somewhere. Don't just judge it right now. God will show you whether it's right or whether it's wrong. This man went to his house glorifying God, and those that were there said, we've seen. I mean, compared to, can you imagine that Phariseeistical uh you know, ju judicial and all of that kind of church. I'd shop those words up. Uh, but 
do you know sometimes those kind of things, uh, things would be strange unto them. Because them preachers wasn't teaching them any of this kind of stuff. Now, the gospel writers could have inserted several words meaning the same thing for healing. They could have put made well. It could have been rescued, freed from disease, literally to save. So the Lord here, when he said to him, thy sins are forgiven thee, he was simply saying to him, it's the same power that saves the individual when he comes to the Lord. It's still the word of word, and the Holy Ghost is the Force the force upon that word. So he, so he I said, said, I just said to him, and isn't, isn't it amazing how well he knows men's hearts, you know, before they even expose themselves. But I like this. We have seen strange or different things that we're not familiar with today. Now, You have seen men healed, I'm sure. You've seen them patched up, I'm sure. You've seen them walk when maybe there was something wrong that they could not walk, and I could go on down the line. But seeing sin forgiven, a microscope, a telescope, radar, x-ray, cannot make that visible so how does does the lord expect us to see that sins are forgiven well it's only through faith which is evidenced through the holy ghost wind that reveals that i have no reason to question that this man's sins wasn't forgiven or if i could see what i would if i'd have been there i would have seen with my natural eye that the man Certainly was healed. He, he wasn't able to walk. Now he can walk. But he's also forgiven of his sins. Amen. Isn't that powerful? That is powerful. The Lord came to save sinners, Paul said, of which I am chief. Or I've been a, a chief sinner, but the Lord has really set me free. Now, I want to back up to, let's see where I'm at. I'm at Luke. Let me go to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. I don't have too many more scriptures. And I tell you what, as long as I'm preaching and the Lord is anointing the message, I don't have any problem going through it rather fast. I'd rather see so many of you participate in your songs, your worship, your poems, uh, your reading of the word, praying, all of those kinds. Of, that's all to me a part of what church is all about. I want to look here in John chapter 2, and uh, I want to look at verse number, well, let's just start at verse number 1. Now, I read this some weeks back, but I, I wasn't going down this line of thinking. And the third day, there was a marriage in Canaan, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. This was a marriage feast, a, a time of festivity and happiness. And Jesus, Yeshua, said unto her, Woman, what have I to do for thee? His mother said unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins. Firkins. I, <laughs> it always amazes me, you know, uh, give me a firkin of water, you know. Well, I'm glad we don't use 
uh, that language. I'm glad we say give me a, a, a bottle of water or a glass of water. But uh, I do like the King James now. I tell you, I like the King James. That was about six, ga- about nine gallons. Jesus said unto him, fill the water pots with water. Now, we know wind and we know water. They are the uh, symbols, the dove and on down the line. These are symbols of the Holy Spirit, the oil. Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, draw out now. Quick, this was a quick miracle. And bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, verse 10, and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunken or drunk, then that which is worse, you know, they, we, we get rid of the old stuff at the tail end. But thou hast kept the good wine unto now. Now, if you would pause for a moment and think with me, what made that water into wine? Was it a trick? Was it magic? No, it wasn't any of those things. It was the movement of the Holy Ghost upon the Word. She said, whatsoever he saith unto thee, do it. There was a movement upon the Word. Hallelujah. There was a moving of that water, bless God. He said, but you have set the best for the last. Now, my thoughts are this, and I don't know whether I'm exactly correct in this, so you can take it however you want to take it. Is there a possibility that the wind for perhaps the greatest acts of the Holy Ghost in man's history have been held back until now? You talk about a great revival in the Holy Spirit and a manifestation of the great works of God. You talk about the healings. You know, Jesus said, go out into all the world. He said, uh, and these signs shall follow the believer. And he began to tell about those signs. Is there a possibility? Because Jesus said, not only these works shall you do, greater works shall you do, because I go to the Father, and if I go to the Father, I will send you the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. That's how you magnify the works. It's not you're going to do greater works than he ever done, but you're going to do perhaps more as a body, as the believers that are out there. There's going to be amongst them, I believe, in the end time of man's history, there's going to be a regeneration. There's going to be a restoration of the outpouring of the Spirit to the hungry hearts that are asking God, desiring God, that it might be a part of their ministry. And as they go, they're going to preach also the gospel They're going to preach about the Lord coming. They're going to preach about the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. They're going to preach about redemption. Hallelujah, hallelujah, bless God. There's going to be a mighty outpouring in these last days just prior to the Lord coming back. I believe perhaps that the best, I believe perhaps that the best has been saved for the late hour. Now, I don't know that. I don't know that for sure. But I'm telling you something, it wouldn't make me mad at all if we were able to do the very same things. You were able to do the very same things that the great apostles did through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. I tell you, being born of the Spirit lets you enjoy the evidences of it. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 26. Real quick, Genesis chapter 26. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to look here in the days of the man by the name of Isaac. And can I say, in any revival, we need enough water and we need the right water that will drown the old man. You see, there's a water for drowning in. That's the water of the Spirit. We read in Ezekiel, and we know that the living waters, rivers, proceed from beneath the threshold of the temple of God. We read that. And we know the man walked out and measured so much, walked a little farther, the waters were deeper, come a little farther. Finally, it became waters that a man could swim in. Well, I believe in a real revival, there'll be waters that'll drown the old man. Literally, drown the old man. The old flesh will be drowned in it. I believe it'll be rainwater of holiness. And I believe it'll be water the enemy cannot stop. Amen? Secret water he cannot see. Only the believer will be able to see it. Hallelujah. I want to look here in the 26th chapter of Genesis. There was a famine in the land. But look at this word. Beside the first famine. You know, there, there will always be a famine. Lord said, I believe it was in the book of Amos. He said, I'll send. He said a famine. But it won't be a famine of meat nor drink. But it will be a famine of hearing the word of God. And I would insert this, the unadulterated word of God. People are satisfied drinking stagnant water. They're satisfied to imagine that their souls have been satisfied from uh, the Dead Sea. But I'm telling you something, there's living waters. The Bible said there was a famine besides the first famine. Isaac went unto Amalek, the king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, but dwell in the land which I will show thee. God will make you a promise, but God will also cause your faith to be tested. Now look at this. Verse 4. For I will make thy seed to multiply. I will give unto thy seed. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. He said, because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So it won't be impossible for you. So Isaac in verse 6 dwelt in uh, Gerar. Now look in verse 12. Isaac sold in that land. And he received in that same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great, talking about Isaac. And he went forward. He went forward. I said he went forward and grew. The Bible says the word of God grew and prevailed in the church. Listen to this. For he had possession of flocks, possession of herds, great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. For all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines stopped them and filled them with dirt. They will try to pile every kind of disbelief and unbelief before your way. 
when you say the Lord has made a way for me, the devil will say stop him in every way you can. Do you understand even in our politics today, people don't want to accept what God has put in. God, the Bible says, sets up kings and brings kings down. And he's given us a little time of refreshing. But do you know what the enemy says? The enemy saying, bring him down. We didn't win, but bring him down. And that's what they said in the days of Isaac. The Bible says, listen to this. I, I, Amalek said unto Isaac, Get from us, for thou art much mightier than we. Verse 17, And Isaac departed, pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, Gerar and dwelt there. Now look at this in verse 18. So Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. God will always lead you back to where the water is at. Amen. He, he led them back to where the water was at in the days of Abraham. But the wells were filled up because the enemy was envious of them. And Isaac's Servants found there, verse 19, uh, dug in the valley, found there a well of springing water. But the herdsmen did strive with Isaac's herdmen and said, the water is ours. So in verse 21, the Bible says that Isaac's servants dug another well. And they strove for that also. So it comes down to verse number 22. So he removed from thence. And what did the believer do? He dug another well. I'm telling you something. You need to get your feelers out. You need to get your searchers on. And you need to know that there is water. And that river of living water, no man can stop. If they fill it up, dig again. If they fill that up, move on, dig again. I'm telling you, God is for you. He's not against you. Bless God. He's looking for you to be faithful. He's looking for you to be obedient. He said unto Isaac, I know Abraham your father was. He said, I know you can be also. And so Isaac dug another well. And for that they strove not. And he called that place Rehoboth. For now the Lord hath made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. So he went up from thence to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him the same night, and he said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Don't fear, for I'm with thee. And the Bible says in verse number 25, he built an altar there, called upon the name of the Lord, pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants what? Dig the well. Dig the well. It takes a little effort to dig a well. And sometimes you'll dig a well and the waters are not as good as they might be in another place or a little deeper. But don't believe that because you have to dig again and maybe dig again and maybe dig again because you are leaving behind something that is given of God anyway. He said, I reign on the righteous and I reign on the unrighteous. Amen. He takes care of all men. He, he, he lighteth every man. 
sin that cometh into the world. He's trying to get people saved. He's trying to get people as witnesses to go out, to move on, to dig again, if that is called for. Dig, 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 dig. You know what you're going to do? Well, I heard the little story years ago, and the guy that had believed that there was a treasure on the property he had bought, he just dug all over that property trying to find it. Well, when it came, he never did find that exactly in the way he thought he would find it. But from all the digging, when he planted his seed, it grew in abundance. And it drew, grew more and greater than it would have possibly have grew if he had just cast his seed out on the ground. Hallelujah. I want to bring this too close. It came in, look at verse number 32. It came to pass that same day that Isaac's servants came. You know, they've been doing a lot of digging. And they told him concerning the well, which they had digged. And they said unto Isaac, We have found water. We found it. We found it. This is the water. There's enough here. Hallelujah. 